Well, as uh, most of you know, that we have finished our series on the book of Ephesians, and uh, so we're bouncing around just a little bit, and then after kickoff Sunday, we're going to start a new series, and I'm not going to announce it yet because I'm 90% sure that's what we're, where we're going, but I'm not 100% sure, so we'll wait. Well, this morning, I... Um, have a message called Them Too. If you will, please take your Bibles and turn to the book of Acts. And it's a, a neat passage here, and I just want to focus on one part of this passage this morning. We're going to be in Acts chapter 1, and we're looking at only verse 8. And this is Jesus speaking, and this is what Jesus says. He says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you shall be my witnesses, both in Jerusalem and in Judea, and Samaria, and even to the remotest parts, part of the earth. Now, you have to have context here when Jesus is saying this. This is the last thing Jesus says to his disciples before he ascends into heaven. He tells them this, and then he goes. You will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria. Now, You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem. Well, where, where was Jerusalem? Jerusalem was right where they were. You'll be my witnesses here, as Jesus is saying. And then he says, you will be my witnesses in Judea, which is the larger area. So you're going to be my witnesses here. You're going to be my witnesses there and the outer part. So it's like Jesus saying to us, you will be my witnesses in St. Peter and Nicola County and Minnesota. Okay, do you get the idea? But then he says something that probably caught his disciples off guard. He says, and Samaria. Samaria. Really? Samaria? And you, and you might be thinking, well, okay, well, what's the big deal? Well, we're going to spend time talking about this. Now, let's talk about Samaria. And there's an outline in your bulletin if you want to write some things down. There's some things to know about Samaria, okay? And a short history lesson, I don't want to spend too much time on this, but the kingdom of Israel had been split into two kingdoms, okay? And if you look here, this is all of Israel here. This is, whoops, I went past it, sorry. And this is the kingdom of Israel when they split. This was continued to call Israel, also known as the northern kingdom. And the southern kingdom became what is called the kingdom of Judah. Now, Israel was made up of 12 tribes. The 12 tribes split. Ten of the tribes went north. Two of the tribes went south to, uh, this was uh, the tribe of uh, Judah, obviously, kingdom of Judah, and the tribe of Benjamin, okay? Now, some interesting things happened as a result of this. Now, the reason they split was, you know, it's so stupid. What it really came down to? Money. It really came down to money and taxes and how taxes were being dealt with. After Solomon was no longer king, then the next king came in and uh, uh, there was some debates about taxes and all these things. And there were some other smaller issues, but really it was about money no matter what some people may uh, tell you. So, a little history now. One of the problems here is you now have two relatively small kingdoms, okay? And this is 
Do you realize how small this is? It's about the size of Connecticut. Okay, I don't know if you ever think about how small, uh, even today, the nation of Israel is. It's not huge, right? You guys have been there. It's not huge. So when you have a small kingdom to begin with, and you've cut it in half, you've got two really small kingdoms. And you know what small kingdoms are? They are fodder for large kingdoms, okay? So what happened was inevitable. In, 17, in 722 BC, Assyria conquered Israel, okay? It conquered the northern kingdom and took most of its people into captivity and left some people behind. But what the Assyrians also did is they brought Gentile colonists to resettle the land, which is what you do. Okay, we've conquered this land. Now we're going to send some of our Assyrians in here to settle in this land. Now there were still some Jews there, but they took a lot of Jews away too. But what happened was the Jews in the northern kingdom who were left started to intermarry with the Assyrians. Now, you're talking about Israel, the nation of Israel. Forget the kingdoms for a second. The nation of Israel, God's chosen people, right? God's chosen people. And there was always great pride in saying that I'm an Israelite. I'm a descendant of the tribe of fill in the blank. But now you've got Israelites intermarrying with Assyrians. So the Jews, the faithful Jews, as they would call themselves at times, in the southern kingdom, refer to these individuals as Samaritans. And they also refer to them as less nice things. They called them dogs. They called them half-breeds. You see, because the Assyrians also brought with them their pagan idols. And these Jews who remained in the northern kingdom, started to worship these pagan idols along with the God of Israel. And you go, what? But that's what was going on, you know? You, you marry an Assyrian, and you've got people of two different faiths, as it were, and you bring those two together into one home. How does that function? How does that work? Well, you bring a little bit of this and a little bit of that in. And what happened is, is the, the Jewish faith for the Samaritans became watered down. Eventually, the religion of the Samaritans evolved to the point that they only held to what is referred to as the Pentateuch, which is the first five books of the Old Testament, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. Those were the only five books that they held to as being the law of God. They dismissed all the other writings. They dismissed the writings of the prophets, they dismissed the writings of, of Solomon and the Psalms. They dismissed all of that. The only thing was the five original books. Furthermore, they claimed that they had a copy of the Pentateuch, the first five books, that was the only original copy. Obviously, this was a claim that was rejected by the Jews. So that's what happened in the northern kingdom. Meanwhile, in the southern kingdom, which I'll circle again in case you forgot where it was, the southern kingdom. Meanwhile, in the southern kingdom, the, the kingdom of Judah fell to Babylon 
in 600 BC. Its people, too, were carried off into captivity. But 70 years later, a remnant of 43,000 Jews was permitted to return to the kingdom of Judah and to rebuild Jerusalem. And the Jews who returned detested the mixed marriages and the worship of their northern cousins. You see, because in the midst of this captivity in Babylon, these Jews still held true to the faith. Of course, they had a great example in, in, in uh, Daniel, but they held true to the faith. And they come back and they see these other Jews living in the, in the, in the northern kingdom, and they're like, you guys didn't even get taken into captivity and you wussed out so easily. What's the matter with you people, you know? So they detested them. They really, really, really didn't like them. They felt they betrayed the faith. They felt that they had betrayed their people. They felt that they had betrayed God. So they called them dogs and half-breeds. And I'm sure there's less nice words that didn't make it into Scripture. Now, we have some mention of Samaritans in the New Testament. Now, keep in mind who, how they feel about these Samaritans. Keep in mind how they feel about them. I mean, these people are worse than dogs, right? They're just, ugh. And Jesus says, you're going to be my witnesses. Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria. He's like, witness in Samaria? Can you imagine what their thought might have been at that moment? Why should we be witnesses to them in Samaria when they abandoned God in the first place? Why should we go back there? They don't deserve to hear about Jesus. They'll just take Jesus and mix him with other pagan gods. They're not worthy of the message of the gospel. <laughs> right? Now, let's look at a few mentions of Samaritans in the New Testament. Okay? And um, first of all, Oh, there, I was showing you another picture, but I'll come back to that in a second. Samaritans in the New Testament, here we go. The first one is the story of the Samaritan woman, right? We know this story well. Uh, it's a story of a woman who um, is uh, a Samaritan, and Jesus goes, and here's the thing you need to understand about this story. So let me flip back a couple slides here, because I want you to understand this. When good Jews in the, in the south, if you were traveling from Jerusalem to Galilee, and I'll show you, here's Jerusalem right here, here's Galilee right here. Do you see what's in the middle? Samaria. Now, this would be the best route, right? They hated the Samaritans so much that this became their route. They would literally go around Samaria so that they didn't have to deal with them, all right? The Samaritans were despised by Jews. They were outcasts. They were considered unclean. You, you, you couldn't even touch a Samaritan because then you'd have to go to the temple and, and go through a cleansing process. It, it was so bad that Jews would not even use dishes that had been used by Samaritans, no matter how many times they had been washed. Now, we're looking at this saying, that's a little extreme, isn't it? Don't you think? But the point is, 
This is how much they despised them. They wouldn't talk to them in public. But what happens is Jesus is traveling with his disciples and they go right through Samaria and Jesus is sitting at a well with this woman and he has this wonderful conversation with her. Hey, you know, why don't you draw me some water? She's like, Pfft. Jesus says, don't you know who I am? And he has a conversation with her. And he reads into her heart and where she's at. And I don't want to spend too much time on this story. But the point is, her eyes are open to the truth of Jesus. And she goes back and tells everybody in her little village about Jesus. So we see, first of all, we see this wonderful story of Jesus reaching out and being a witness to a Samaritan woman. We also have the story of, oh, and that's, that's in John 4, by the way, if you want to look it up later. The story of the Good Samaritan. And we know the story of the Good Samaritan, right? The guy was traveling from Jerusalem to, Jer to Jericho, and he gets beaten up by robbers, right? This is found in Luke chapter 10. And what happens there? He's beaten up by robbers. And a priest comes by. A priest, a Levite, a good Jew, comes by and walks on the other side. Then a judge comes by, another good Jew, and walks by on the other side. And then Jesus finishes the story with, a Samaritan comes by, has pity on the guy, and he bandages his wounds and he takes him to some place to stay and everything else and takes good care of him. So here's Jesus being Jesus, telling this story of this man needs help. Three people go by. Two people are good Jews and one's a Samaritan. Now, a betting Jew would say, well, I know the Samaritan didn't help him because Samaritans are dogs, right? But Jesus says, no, it's the Samaritan who helped the individual, not the Jews. Another story, there's a story of, of a Samaritan leper who comes to Jesus and says, if you are willing, you can heal me. And what does Jesus do? He doesn't go, ew, no. Not only do you have leprosy, but you're a Samaritan. Ew. Jesus heals him. Jesus uses Samaritans on, many, on several different occasions to show that everyone needs to hear the gospel message. Everyone needs to hear the truth of Jesus Christ. In all three of these scenarios, Jesus showed love to the uh, a Samaritan and to the Samaritan people in a manner that the Jews would never have. You know? He, he showed love to them. And in his final charge to his disciples, Jesus tells them to be witnesses to the Samaritans, the despised people of the northern kingdom. These people you need to be witnesses to. And I've thought about this. If Jesus would have said, go out and be my witnesses. Tell people about me. Would his disciples have done that? Sure they would have. Would they have gone to Samaria? You know why I can say no? Because if they would have gone to Samaria, Jesus wouldn't have had to tell them. You see, anytime we're instructed with something in Scripture, we're instructed with that because it's something we wouldn't naturally do. 
the disciples would not have naturally gone to the Samaritans and shared the gospel with them. They wouldn't have. After all, they're no longer God's chosen people. They blew it, you know. There were 12 tribes that were God's chosen people. Ten, ten tribes messed it up. Only two tribes held true. Jesus had to tell them, you need to go and talk to these Samaritans. So here comes the hard question today. What is your Samaria? Jesus calling to on his disciples is the same calling to us. And I don't mean that Jesus is telling us we all have to go to Jerusalem to share the gospel. But it's that idea that we are called as well to be God's witnesses, to be Christ's witnesses here and those around us. Now we can say, oh yeah, let's do it here in St. Peter. Let's do it here in Nicola County. Let's do it here in Minnesota because this is where we've been called to. But you know what? In Minnesota, there is, there are those people who are your Samaritans, as it were. You see, it's, it's an unfortunate thing that happens to us as Christians, um, especially for us who are Christians as adults, but it happens to everybody, is when you become a Christian and you receive Christ as Lord and Savior, your life changes. And you decide to, to start surrounding your people, yourself with people who know Jesus. Because why? Because you want to learn. You want to grow. And it, it's encouraging, right? But the unfortunate thing is, before we know it, we look around and we're surrounded by Christians. Carl, I could talk to you about Jesus all day. But I'm not really being a witness as Jesus is talking about here, am I? No. Because you know Jesus, and I know Jesus, and we can feel good about that as we talk to each other. But we have to step outside our sphere of influence. I've talked about this many times. We have to be intentional about building relationships with people outside of that normal sphere of influence so that we can be witnesses to them. In a court case, a witness is somebody who talks about what they saw and what they experienced. If you have two witnesses to the same crime, you can't witness to each other. You both saw it. We can't witness to each other. We both know Jesus. We have to witness to those who don't know Christ. And the Samaritans, too. Now, the Samaritans could be several other things, because then I ask the questions, who are your Samaritans? Uh, Samaritans could be people who were raised in a Christian home, but walked away from Jesus. So somebody who knew the truth and walked away, kind of like the Samaritans. Those people need to be witnessed to. But your Samaritans can also be those people who are outcasts. People who are on the fringes of society. I'll come back to that in a minute. Your Samaritans could be people that you hate. Wow, we live in a charged climate today, don't we, in this world as far as socially? The hatred of people who don't think the way somebody does politically is unbelievable. That could be your Samaritan. 
You may have a, you may detest someone because they don't think the way you do politically or socially. There you go. There's your Samaritan or one of them. People who think differently than you on many things. We were just having a conversation in our home yesterday saying, what is the matter with these people? People who are just, my wife and I were watching the show on TV. It's called, what was that show called? Fear Thy Neighbor. It's about neighbors who get into a fight and then something horrific happens. You know, it's light entertainment. But um, we're sitting there going, what's the matter with these people? Well, the answer is simple. They need Jesus. Jesus is the answer. Jesus is. Your Samaritans are maybe people who believe differently than you. Maybe people who embrace a religion that is different than Christianity. You may see those people as individuals who, well, there's just no, there's no way I could witness to those people. God says, yeah. Jesus says, yeah. You need to be my witnesses to them too. There are people who may disgust you because of what they think, because of how they look, because of what they do. Jesus says, yeah. Remember, when Jesus was on this earth, he spent a lot of time with tax collectors and prostitutes. Why? Because to the people of Israel, the good Jews, those were outcasts. They might not have been dogs like Samaritans, but they were pretty low on the totem pole. In fact, even the Jewish leaders came to Jesus and says, wait a minute, what are you doing sitting there eating with prostitutes and tax collectors? Don't you know who these people are? They're the scum of our society, basically. What did Jesus say? It's not the well who need a doctor, but the sick. What is Jesus saying? He's saying, these people need to know the truth. It's obvious by how they live. Can you, can you change your thinking a little bit? And can you change your mindset when you see somebody living a life and making choices and doing things that just disgust you on the inside and say, oh, that person is just disgusting. Because of the truth of the matter is, you're looking at their sin and you're disgusted by it. And that's the same way God would look at you as if he could see your sin. And the only reason he can't see your sin is because of Jesus Christ. Do you understand? So instead of looking at somebody and saying, this person just disgusts me. I can't believe the choices they make. I can't believe this. And look at them and say, this is a person who desperately needs Jesus. Because that's why they are the way they are. Because they don't have Jesus. I remember I befriended a guy years ago in a, when I was in another church. and His name was Rene. And Rene was messed up in a lot of not good things. His mom was a believer, but he was pretty messed up. Adult man, doing some things that weren't right. His marriage was falling apart and everything. And he wound up in the hospital, and I don't remember why. I think it was because he had to have his appendix removed. 
So I went to visit him. And he was telling me how sad he was because his wife wouldn't even come to see him. My marriage is destroyed and my life is destroyed and I don't know what to do. I don't know what the answer is. And I looked at him and I said, Renee. He said, what? I said, the answer is Jesus. And he was actually standing as he was talking to me because he was getting animated. And he sat down on the edge of his bed and he just started bawling because he knew that's what the answer was. And we talked and I shared the gospel with him and he prayed to receive Christ right there in that hospital room. And his life flipped. Why? Because the answer was Jesus. Now some people might have looked at Renee and gone, well, this guy's a waste. Look at the choices he's made. His life's a mess, and it's his own fault. But the key was, he needed Jesus. Jesus says, you will be my witnesses in Samaria. Who else might be your Samaritans? What about those who society as a whole would think less of you if you were hanging out with these people. You know, the societal outcasts. What if you were hanging out with these societal outcasts? What would people think of you? You know what? It doesn't matter. What were they thinking of Jesus? Did Jesus care? No. What was Jesus doing? He was modeling what we need to do and who we need to be as far as followers of Christ. Let's ask a harder question. What about those people who you might hang out with and you're worried about what other people in the church would think of you if you hung out with them? Ooh, that's a bigger deal, isn't it? But the truth of the matter is we all need to see people the way Jesus sees them, right? People who are lost and need Jesus Christ. Because here's the thing, and I said it before and I'm going to say it again because I want you to remember this. When you see people who are so messed up and you look at them and you go, oh, if it weren't for Jesus, that's how God would see you. Because through Jesus Christ, we are justified before God, which means God sees us as if we've never sinned, right? You take Jesus out of the equation, that's how God sees us. We need to be, as believers, willing to reach out to those that others might not reach out to. Because, friends, the message of the gospel is not for a select few. And the message of the gospel is not only for people who have their act together. If you were saved when you were an adult, how many of you could say the day before you were saved you had your act together? Not me, and I'm sure none of you could either. The message of the gospel is for people who don't have their act together. The message of the gospel is for people who are incredibly lost. The message of the gospel is for people who are desperate. The message of the gospel is for people who are enslaved 
to sin in their lives. The message of the gospel is for people who have been so blinded by the lies that this world just tells over and over and over and over and over again that they can't even see the truth. All those people need Jesus. Especially the ones that you don't like. Especially the ones who disgust you. Now, we don't live in a day and age where we call many people dogs. But in our minds and even in our hearts, we may go, yeah, that person's not so good. They need Jesus too. What makes you better than they are? Well, the answer is Jesus. But why do you deserve to know the truth? And they don't. So Jesus said, be my witnesses right here, out there, way out there, and even those nasty places, and even those nasty people. Please keep that in mind in your heart. The next two months are going to be pretty hairy, I think, politically, and Everything's been pretty hairy now. I, 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 can't, I can't believe the hate people are showing one another about masks. What, what, have, what have we come to? But remember that the answer to all of that is Jesus. And people need to hear the truth of who Jesus is. No matter who they are, no matter what they've done, no matter what they look like, Amen? Amen? Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your word and we thank you for your truth and we thank you for your calling on our lives to be your witnesses to everyone everywhere. So I pray that we would do that. Be your witnesses here and to the ends of the earth and especially to those who are the outcasts, those who are different, those who people detest, those who are ostracized. Lord, help us to be witnesses to them. So as we go, may we go in the strong name of Jesus Christ, empowered by your Holy Spirit, to share your good news to everyone we meet, especially those who are on the outside, especially those who are the outcasts. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. Have a blessed day. Enjoy the rest of your long weekend.